during the age of constant connection, there is a force like gravity that shapes the inner and outer boundaries of our media. The pure force of signal, the pressures and colors of knowledge, the invisible barrier. The ears of many hear the story of few, and few can relate. This connection of orbiting voices is the next paradox of the century. Daniel chapter 2 has a lot of rele relevance to what I speak about very often. I haven't referenced that chapter um, before at all, so it's really interesting that you found the relevance when we were having a conversation before. And that, um, yeah, everything's connected. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, lots of synchrono synchronicities out there. For myself, lately, I've been running into a lot of them. <laughs> oh you yes, you have no idea. I've um I've had the most synchronicities and I can feel that I'm in the right place and I just keep moving forward on this path that I'm supposed to and every time um every time I I can just feel it. It's an intuition. I feel five inches taller um than I did last week actually because of a massage I had and I just feel like every single step I take in the right direction is more in a healing process for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, there's something, there's definitely something to be said about um, just feeling like you're in the right flow state all the time. Like you just, everything's kind of, um, you just feel like you're part of the divine purpose, I guess, right? And on my watch, on my clock, on my phone right now, it's 1111. So oh, wow. Part of the synchronicities that I'm having through numbers. That's amazing. Yeah, it's twelve eleven here um, for me, but I uh, I actually saw the eleven eleven today on my clock as well. I've been seeing mostly twenty two, so so, and I've got plans already for the twenty second of this month. And I, uh, the eleven eleven is twenty two. Is that what you're saying? Um, well, I didn't think of it like that, but sure, there's a reference for you too. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Yeah, for me personally, um, um, since discovering kind of Bitcoin and what it does and, and what, what the implications of that are for humanity, um, I've kind of been on a quest to try to see the deeper side of that and the philosophical implications. And that led me to passages in the Bible. Um, where I believe it's Im implicitly um, referenced in prophecy. Um, that's just, yeah, it's just been my, my personal journey. Anyway, I, I was raised very, like, a fundamental Christian. And then when I was in my teens um, and early 20s, I, I kind of, you know, I just like, rejected all of it. And um, I, didn't, I didn't see the truth in it anymore because uh, I guess I, I was completely like you know the dogmatic christians and the um kind of rhetoric around it i just felt like it was full of hypocrisy and and it didn't really have any real world correlation right and that just led me to completely um, disregard all of it and it wasn't until i did high doses of psychedelics um specifically psilocybin and dmt that kind of made me just reanalyze everything that i thought about you know uh 
God, let's say. And um, yeah, it led me back to the Bible and to um, many passages in the gospel specifically um, that I feel like the origins of Christianity to me, it became more clear that they were based on the use of these medicines. Um, and then I actually found other documentation that like supports that. There's, I mean, the John A. Allegro book, The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, things like that. Um, I, I actually read those after kind of coming to those conclusions based on using them myself. And that kind of reaffirmed for me that, okay, this is actually probably what a lot of these things are speaking to, like, you know, turning water into wine, for example, or um, restoring vision to the blind. Like, these are all things that can be attributed to mushrooms. Well, I lost where I put my phone, so I had myself muted, so I had to find my phone again. Okay. Um, but it is, I, I have a very similar journey to yours as well, um, as far as leaving the thoughts of Christianity. I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school um, through halfway through my junior year of high school, started in first grade, and so I'm, I'm very familiar with the Catholic movement. Um, and yeah, I've moved away from my, from my parents' home 1,500 miles away as soon as I could since I graduated from high school. And then I started on my own journey with um, just discovering the world. And, um, you know, I asked Christian faith around the time when children that was oh your your connection's really bad i'm having a hard time hearing you it's uh really really choppy okay just some of these um i'm i'm not sure and let me make sure that when, I, when you first started i could hear you really clear and then you couldn't hear me um and now it seems to be just really choppy on your end hard to decipher um, what you're saying Okay, I don't know what else. I don't know what else to adjust here. It may be far away from your Wi-Fi. I'm not too sure. No, I'm actually really close to Wi-Fi. The Wi-Fi signal okay. says 100% connected. Are you? Do you have a microphone on your headphones that's that it's using as well? No, it's a separate microphone. Oh, is it? Okay. Interesting. Um. So. I want to make sure that I, I want to make sure that you can hear Maybe adjustment might help. Yeah, maybe try doing what you, whatever setting you were on originally when we first started talking, because I could hear you clearly at first, um, but you couldn't hear me. I switched devices, but um, I'm not too sure. Okay, I know that. That's a bit better. All the way up, and. My Bluetooth devices on my phone, and here's my headphone and my volume adjustment. And I think that Can you try maybe unplugging the microphone and using just the microphone that's on your phone? Or um, yeah, sure, sure, sure.
Technology is amazing, and sometimes it's also a huge pain in the ass. Okay, can that's, you hear? Oh, that's way better, yeah. Right, right now on speaker or just on? Right, however you're speaking right now, I can hear you crystal clear. Okay, sounds good. Let's do that then. Perfect, yeah, it's way better. I don't know what it was. There was like some sort of uh, choppiness to, to your words. That was hard, hard to decipher. Okay. Um, but yeah, sorry, go on. You were just saying you had a similar experience to me. Um, yes. You raised Catholic. Yes, and then after I had children, after my after my children were old enough to, you know, start thinking, I wanted to raise my children in a Christian church. Um, and so I started finding friends in the in the Christian faith, uh, non-denominational, and I went to a church that was um, more Bible, just Bible based, instead of very yeah. very different from Catholicism. That's how I was raised, yeah. But like they call themselves like born again believers or um, fundamentalist Bible believers. Like they they believe in like the literal translation of the King James Bible per se, right? Or um, okay, but the one that I followed was not King James. Um, okay, so it was more of the contemporary versions of the Bible. New Living Translation is my favorite today. Um, new international version, new, th there's a lot of different, different translations that are very similar. So, so more like a progressive, um, progressive outlook on Christianity. Yeah, just, just very Bible, very Bible based. However, I still saw a lot of, well, I didn't see them until more recently, um, the differences between the theological teachings and what the Bible actually says. Yes, yes. So, yeah, there's a huge difference in there that not a lot of people are, well, I think people are waking up to it now. So that's why you and I can talk about it. Um, but when I first started sharing what I was finding in the Bible um, around five years ago, I was getting told, no, that can't be right. Very blasphemous. Like people will automatically dismiss you and be like, "Oh, how dare you question the narrative?" Right? Because it's it seems to me that the further I kind of look into this, it's like it's not so much based on the Bible so much as it's based on the consensus of agreed opinion about the Bible. And then you kind of like your denomination or your outlook has to kind of slot into one of those consensus outlooks, I guess. And then like everything kind of has to fit into that consensus. And if it doesn't, then it's disregarded. Yes, that's exactly right. So um, my my journey um, started about four four and a half or five years ago, and I was blessed to meet someone that was in um, theology school. He was in. Oh, wow. He was becoming a pastor in Pakistan, and if you know anything about Pakistan, it's a Muslim country. They oh, have. Wow. The Quran is spoken over the speakers throughout the city um, five times a day for prayer. And yeah, it's very oppressive to Christians, I would imagine. Very much so. 
And if you're a Christian, you have to be poor. The only people that can make money, basic, basically, you know, for um, the general population is if you're a Muslim. So, um, but he was studying this, and when I was teaching him what I understood about what the Bible was saying, there was many times that he brought things forward into his classes, and they was challenging his teachers very much. And one time, finally, he got called an atheist and got kicked out of school. And it took about a week or so, and they apologized to him and invited him back in. Wow. And he said he learned more than more from me than what he did in school. Wow, that's amazing. Then, because, because they're so kind of stuck on almost like their echo chamber, right? Very much. And um, it's really interesting, this particular gentleman that I was working with, uh, I still am, I talk to him quite frequently. Um, he has studied the Greek language, the Aramaic language, Hebrew, and Latin. And so he digs into the original languages from each book that were, the language that each book was written in. Mm -hmm. and we get to the root of what the meaning was in the Bible between the two of us, and I don't really ask him very many questions. Instead, I have a, a gift of knowing um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In verses 7 through 11, it talks about the Holy Spirit's gifts. And so this, this gift of knowing, and then I go to him and I say, this is what I'm being told this means. And he digs to the root of the original language, and he's wow. every, every time he comes back, and this has been happening, like I said, for almost five years now. So when he comes back, whether it's a, a week later, a month later, however long it takes him to study that particular, those particular things that I tell him, he comes back and says, Katie, you are right. Wow, that's amazing. That's, um, yeah, that's incredible. That sounds like the John A. Allegro story, something similar to that. Like, he was you know, a linguist, and he kind of was like seeing these things, looking at these old texts, and he said, hey, this isn't what this is talking about at all, it's talking about this. And he was basically, like, ostracized from all of his circles, um, and I think the Catholic Church actually bought the rights to his book and tried to basically bury it, um, which, is, which is also very interesting to me. But uh, the concept of getting this information from some other place like you mentioned a gift of the holy spirit that is um yeah that's incredible i think that there's something to um substances but i think that substances are only a bridge uh, to something that's beyond that right like and 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 that would be accessible with or without substances in my opinion yes it is. Um, you know, I, I did have, at the beginning of my journey, I had a natural DMT experience. Um, so a lot of people talk about DMT as the outside source, and that brings them similar to a psycho... How do you say it? Psychocybin or... Uh, psilocybin, yeah, like in, psilocybin. In, in mushrooms. Okay, perfect. So any of these, um, because I don't, I'm not familiar with, um, with them, um, the outside sources... So this, this natural DMT experience was, now I look back and I know it was absolutely amazing. It's, it's an absolute miracle when you can experience something like that. Was it through like breath or? 
Um, it was through... I wasn't trying. Um, I wasn't doing meditation. Um, I was having panic attacks at the time. Okay. So it was breath, though, that brought you there then, 100%. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, or, That's or amazing. Or the, the lack thereof, maybe. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the hyperventilation. That's definitely what we'll do. Because like, you can get there through holotropic breathing. Um, that's something many people practice. Um, Interesting. Yeah, just kind of like... Well, I I know that I was for like brought, for a long um, time. Right? I'm sorry, go ahead. I, that's okay. I was I know that I was brought through it for a purpose. I know that um, I knew that the see. I wanted to when you were speaking earlier. Let's let's come to a definition of God, if we can, for yeah. the listeners. Sure, absolutely. I'd love to do that. Um, how I define God is the interconnected energy that we all share. Um, God is something bigger than us, and he's within us. Um, so it's a very, very powerful force that has been going before before time, before the concept of time was created, before the concept of space was created, because God would be in everything, and you know, omnipresent, omni, all of the omnis. Um, yeah, so living inside of us and through it, us, it's like um, so many people say the Father is one aspect, and just like a father here on earth has a child, um, a piece and part of that father is in that father's creation, which would be his children. And so it's the same as... God being in each and every one of us, and that would be the way that I view him as the Father. So that's where the idea of the Trinity starts, the Father, the Son, which would be Jesus walking the earth. Um, now, that's even debatable, because Jesus, was that the name? Was there a J in the Hebrew language? And then we go to Yeshua, and we go to Isa, and the Bible says, pray in the name of Jesus. Um, but anyway... So the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, as defined in the verses that I already had shared, the Holy Spirit works through us, through the gifts. And so when these gifts are activated in us, we receive, it's a blessing. We were chosen before the foundation of the world for this blessing to occur, to bring us forward into the next phase, the next age that we are entering. And, and is that the age of Aquarius? Um, well, I don't like to really define it um, according to the words that we know. Um, but is, is, that, is that what they're referring to? I'm saying, like, I, I understand that it's like just a label thing. But like, when when they refer to, because I'm not into, I don't really follow any of that horoscopic or astrological theories of things. But I've heard that repeated over and over and over again as of late that we're entering into the age of Aquarius. So. Okay, the, um, if I was going to put a name on it, um, and it, I'm not denying that we're entering the age of Aquarius, um, but I, I like to call it um, the Utopian Society or Seventh Heaven. Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. I'm actually writing a science fiction book, um, and it's called The New Heaven, um, oh. which is really interesting. Yeah, it's another synchronicity there. Um, <laughs> 
my website is seventh heaven seventh heaven coaching.com interesting interesting um so that's cool i like that i like that definition of god that's very much aligned with what i believe the definition of god to be um an interesting thing i think is that the concept of this force existing beyond matter and before matter and i've used this analogy to try to describe um consciousness to people before in my version of it and to use the analogy of hardware and software in the computer world um, if you have say a cell phone without energy running through it and without software to manipulate that energy you will have a paperweight right um, and that is essentially the way I look at matter there's no difference on a physical level between a human or, or a grass or even just a rock and an inanimate completely inanimate object what you would argue it has no life in it but just um even a dead body is full of life right it's just decentralized in a way there's many versions of life now utilizing the matter in that dead body to then transform into other versions of life right and this kind of goes into like the laws of thermodynamics like energy can't be created or destroyed it can only be transferred and to me it seems like that force that animates life, whether it's a plant or a mushroom or, or, a, or a bird or whatever it is, anything that is um, animated is uh, God. It is that outside force. It's, that, it's the breath of life, right? It's the original, um, what, do you, what would you say, the original thought, yeah. I guess, of God, right? <laughs> yes, I call, I call the life breath, pneuma. P-N-E-U-M-A. Um, that is the word that this past this pastor that I'm working with, that's the word that we came up with through the ancient text. And Numa, like a like P uh, P N U M A, you said? P N E U M A. Numa. Numa life breath. And um I have studied the um the root of the words of spiral and and the root of the words of hmm, breath and spiral like a D, like our dna and breath go back to spire s p i r e similar to um a mold spire or a mushroom it would connect wow. to that and then um spy Spirare, S-P-I-R-A-R-E, so spira and spirare, though I believe that those are the two words that connect breath and spiral. Wow. That's a fascinating correlation. It is, and if you look up on, if you look it up on Google, they see specifically say these two words are not connected even though they're very similar huh. and that would be the difference of the god particle in my opinion wow. interesting because uh, that goes back to all life on earth being uh the descended from some form of fungi like that's an, that's a whole hypothesis out there in the scientific yes. world that that yes you could see life on a planet with one spore that's exactly right. I just, um, I'm in the middle of, uh, well, towards the end of the book, Equations of Life, 
how physics shaped evolution. It's a very complex book written by an astrobiologist from Scotland. Yep. And that's exactly what it says. It says that when the sun touches the water, then algae is created. And maybe there's even something before algae. However, when algae is created, algae creates more oxygen into the atmosphere. And when there's more oxygen in the atmosphere, then the next complex life being is formed. And so it begins a cycle. So it's actually funny. It just made me think of something far out. There's all this talk about colonizing Mars and all this stuff and terraforming it through nuclear bombs and blah, 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 blah. But in reality, they should just study the life process and find some kind of algae that can start to create oxygen and just let it go. <laughs> it's not, not, not quick enough for humans, right? <laughs> well, that's exactly right. So on my journey, in the last um, year or two, I have, I, I've noticed a lot of people are, have so much interest in Mars. And my interest, um, because of my spiritual life, and I define spirituality as just the relationship that we have with ourselves, like rem- remembering where we came from, remembering mm-hmm. who we are. And so my spiritual my spiritual, spiritual life, my spiritual body told me instead of looking at Mars, to begin looking at Venus. And so... Whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> that's in, uh, in my, uh, my artwork, actually, that I created for this, for this platform, Sats Radio. Um, Venus is actually kind of more visible than Mars. Like, in, in, the, in, the, um, in the... It's like a canvas, right? And, and Mars is... You can kind of barely see the outline of Mars, and Venus is more um, vivid. That's just, that's interesting. Another interesting synchronicity. Okay, so you'll find very interesting then. Um, I was initiated into an ancient Egyptian mystery school about two and a half years ago. And um, the teachings are the same as Freemasonry. It's all non-intrusive teachings. So it's a couple small changes And those small changes that you do in your daily life um, create new pathways in your brain. And ways then, it's kind of, it's the easiest way to explain it is a brain expansion. Um, Because they say that the average human only uses about 30% of their brain. And so this is just another way to... um, to use your brain um, to towards the full uh, fun- full functioning that it was created for. Okay, so it's like uh, changing the way you think, um, and by doing that, you create new neural pathways, essentially, right? Yes, exactly. And um, then through this process, um, I I saw how the ancient Ancient Egyptians is where I first started because of the the mystery school. Um, I was given so much information through spiritual downloads that this is what um, this is why I decided to be initiated into the ancient Egyptian mystery school. And then what I was, I when I was, I started experiencing and seeing how the rituals in the Catholic Church came from the ancient Egyptian mystery schools. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And they also combined a lot of other um, uh, kind of 
stories of the time, like the Greek and the Roman gods, and they kind of just kind of blended them all into this one sort of unified religion. With kind of the endorsement of Rome, right? Yes. 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 Isn't it lovely how it's all connected? Yeah, it's <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> so, um, when when you go back to the ancients, the Egyptians and all of the ancients, they actually used to refer to the planet Venus as Lucifer. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't know it, but there are quite a few people now that have studied it and see that this is true. Um, and in in the Bible, in where Lucifer is referenced, see, this is where some confusion with the church's teachings come into play. Um, a lot of people think that Lucifer and Satan are the same. However, they're not. Um, Lucifer, the name means the bearer of light, the light bringer, and is yes. re- referred to as the bright morning star in Isaiah fourteen twelve, and the bright morning star is also referenced in Revelation twenty two as Jesus, and how Jesus returns. So, the so bearer, light. Just a real quick question: the Jesus. Like the figure of Jesus in the um, in the in the gospel, do you are are you um, a subscriber to the idea that they that, that they t- took kind of a story and then they used the archetype of that story and then they kind of merged it with the medicine and it became the same word in the in the rest of the gospels, or or do you have a totally different uh, take on that? Um, probably very similar. Um, I came across a story, it was about a year ago, of the Rainbow Serpent. It's an aboriginal story. The Rainbow Serpent, um, came through the land bringing the rain. I'm familiar with this one, yeah. Oh, you are? Okay, great. And so it came to the people and came and said, you need to make sure that your intention behind all of your actions is correct, otherwise you will die. And the rainbow serpent shed its blood to save the people. I'm I'm paraphrasing this, but the Mm. rainbow serpent story is out there. Um, People can find it and search it, and it is such an old story, and then it is a retelling of the Jesus' story as well. Now, I do believe that a man was born from Mary, um, the Virgin Mary, and I do believe that... How do I... I do believe that he ascended into heaven... Um, I, I do believe in, so I believe in the death and resurrection, however, it might be a little bit different from how we view death on the earth today. So, like, more of a, are you talking maybe interdimensional, or is that sort of the theory on that, like, how how does what is the mechanism to virgin birth, and what is the mechanism to um, ascension? Because see, that's always that was like 
my original issue with Christianity, right, was the projection of the thing, and it, it seemed to kind of have this, this disconnect with um, uh, base reality, I guess, right? And then that goes into, you know, string theory and all these other random rabbit holes. But what what would you say is the mechanism of a virgin birth, right? Maybe that interdimensional, um, interdimensional inception, a conception. Like, how is the? Uh... Um, well, I was in the. Uh... I took a trip to the Maldives earlier this year, and everywhere I go, I find something that I wasn't even looking for on my journey that gives an answer. And I, from what I've experienced, I see that the banyan tree, if you look up the spiritual meaning of the banyan tree, um, women go to it to eat of the tree bark and the milk from the tree, and that's how they are able to get pregnant. So, yes, it is. Um, I found one there. It was a very twisted tree. See, I see that we there's a tree of life inside of us. It's the vagus nerve. And I see that there is a tree of life outside of us as well. And I believe it to be the banyan tree. And I believe that there is a metaphysical tree of life. The mm, They call it the Kabbalah, I believe. I'm looking up a banyan tree right now. I'm curious as to what this looks like. I'm not familiar with the banyan tree. I How do you spell that? It's B-A-N-Y-A-N. There is Hindu and um, Muslim beliefs behind it, and it's really interesting. In the Maldives is where I found this tree. It's very intriguing because it's very it's twisted, very twisted, like a like almost a tree from mythology. Okay, yeah. I see this, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It does represent at... the nervous system. When you see it, it looks like the nervous system. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's really amazing. Interesting. My opinion of the tree of life, um, in referenced in, in specifically Revelations, um, is referring to the hemp plant. Just because it describes the ability to have, you know, a harvest every month and produce 12 different fruits. And that are, there's only one plant in my um, awareness that matches that description, right? And then the theoretics of it healing all the nations, I mean, is also kind of adds up to me in the way that if we had a hemp-based, um, resource-based economy, we would have no um, kind of lack of anything, right? And then and that I, would lead I to a utopian age. Yes, I agree with you too. I have an entire Bible study on the cannabis plant and how it is referenced so many times in the Bible. Um, and it is something that we can use to, um, to heal the nations, to heal the tribes of the nations, because it connects to the endocannabinoid system that we have in our bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's on the whole medicinal aspect of it as well, like literally healing the nations. Um, I, I was, I was meaning like economically. That's what I was referring to. But yeah, also exactly that, literally healing. Yes, but um, economics is an idea that we that has made been made up by humans. In what way? 
Um, how we view all economics and socioeconomics today, putting value on things outside of us instead of putting value inside of us. Okay, I see that. But what would you say about like the argument of like the first capitalist was the um, first person that had you know a deer, then the other one had a fire, kind of like, hey, uh, I'll give you some of my deer if you let me cook my deer over your fire, so to speak, right? And then. They both had something of value. They exchanged and got something of greater value out of it, right? And then that's just kind of the base of free trade and commerce. And if you look at historically, when there's good trade, there's less war, right? Yes, I, I understand, which is leading us into, the, um, into exactly what we wanted to talk about today, value and money and how if we need money moving forward, if, forward into the future and what we're bringing into the world by our by creating our reality yeah yeah absolutely um so i i just came back from turkey i was in turkey i saw the seven churches from the book of revelation interesting and in particularly in in ephesus um there was a couple of council meeting rooms exterior council meeting rooms um they're similar to a big theater but they make them very small for this purpose and in those council meeting rooms that is where they gave the value to things such as a deer or fire or anything that was being traded so who makes up the value of these kind of things do we do it as humans or do we look at it as what we were talking about previously where there's abundance and instead of having to worry about if we will have enough mm -hmm. but, but instead knowing that there is more than enough on the earth as long as we consciously share with each other Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, but how do you how do you how do you keep track of value? How do you um put so like traditionally the are you familiar with like the double spend problem? Like um or the uh, the um just the concept of the of that or I haven't heard of that before. Uh so basically like if you have a ledger, um of so so just like let's go back to the like the original writings um from what we understand we're actually well what we have anyway in in history the, the the earliest form of writing is a ledger in samaria um and <clears throat> the ledger is just um keeping track of of value right it's a it's a kind of a um representation of value and <clears throat> the um I think this uh, this story goes that the um, basically you need a third party to verify that people aren't double spending that value, right? Or you need a tokenized version of scarcity, right? You need a physical manifestation of scarcity because uh, value usually represents time spent, right? To 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 generate value in some way, um, and time is limited. Um, 
it's scarce and energy is also scarce, right? So you spend your time and your energy, which are two scarce things. And then gold traditionally, or, you know, there's been many other forms um, here in America. We use wampum beads, um, which is interesting because it actually is tokenized speech as well as tokenized time because uh, it took so long to craft these beads and then they would actually weave stories into the beads and they would use them as contracts and forms of agreement between other peoples, right? Um, so they represented that, value and speech. That's interesting. Did you know, I mean, we've, we've talked about the Christian faith, um, but did you know that Muslims and Christian faith both have something similar to a rosary or beads? Yes, yes, actually. I, I'm, I'm not very familiar, but I do know that they do have a very similar thing. Um, this reminds me of the concept of time, like what you're referring to. Yes, yeah, absolutely, exactly. So because it took time to generate the, um, because it took time to generate the tokens, um, they had that value attached to them, right? Because they, you couldn't just make them out of nothing, you can just make them out of nowhere. So they had an, they had an intrinsic, intrinsic value to them. Um, so when they, when the colonizers discovered that wampum was held a means of value, um, they had bead making machines already in Europe. So they actually construct, they took these machines. I think they, um, they used, uh, glass beads instead of shells. Um, and they created these basically counterfeit wampum belts, right? And the, the belts didn't actually hold stories because they weren't actually weaved by people that told stories in them. And they didn't have real value because there wasn't time attached to them. But they held the um, allure of, of basically instant wealth, right? So the, so the ones creating it, the colonizers who created it and brought shiploads of it over, they benefited the most from this counterfeit source. Then the next ones in line benefited the next most, right? So whoever originally took that counterfeit and then spread it amongst their community and also used it to trade time and value back, right? Time and energy. They used it to trade for real time and energy. They benefited the most from it. And all the way down the line, every time it was traded for time and energy, um, it lost more of its value to the point where if you were at the end of that line and it was discovered, hey, this is actually just artificial. And now there's a huge surplus of it circulating in the economy, right? Then it deteriorated the culture from the inside out because things lost their value and things lost their meaning, right? Simultaneously. And it's really, to me, it's really fascinating because it just happened a couple hundred years ago. Uh, we can see it have, how it happened. But that's a similar issue in today's fiat world, right? Where money is just this thing that someone else decrees is worth something, being the, the central banks. Um, and the, uh, the basically the, um, uh, hold on one, I'm so sorry. Hold on one second. I have to deal with something here. One sec. That's okay. I have a question for you when you're ready. Sorry about that. <clears throat> Go ahead. That's okay. Um, I'm wondering, all, all of this division, because that, that's how I view it, how you're explaining it with the money and how things are divided then. And so then um, it leads to an entire uh, vortex of division. Mm -hmm. And so, Time and energy gets debased. 
Exactly. So we do we need that type of division or can we change the direction and make expansion instead of division? This is exactly why Bitcoin to me is is akin to the discovery of fire. Um, it's it's it absolutely is something that once you we would once we see as a society, as a people, as a as a as a as a as a, uh, um, a species we won't be able to go back from in the way that we can't undiscover fire undiscover like it's it's just once you one know it it's known knowledge and then everything changes from there right um so, so do you view um bitcoin as a transitionary tool or do you yeah. view it you it's, do so it's not expansion. a it's an expansion tool um and i believe it actually will become forever and this is why it, it could outlast geological formations I'll, I'll explain why in a second here um but it goes it goes to the concept of time as well as energy being scarce right so you need a scarce asset to represent time and energy and the reason why bitcoin is scarce is because it's technically nothing other than a list it's just a ledger. Um, and so it's language. It's time and it's language. It represents speech and time. And anyone can run a Bitcoin um, ledger, right? You could start your own Bitcoin tomorrow and share it with me and a few other people we choose, and we can decide that this is what we're, we're using to record our value and our time, right? Um, but it doesn't really mean anything more than it means to us few people that adopt it. What's What's fascinating about Bitcoin is it's verified by hundreds of thousands of individuals as we know it right now, probably in the millions, hundreds of millions, to be honest. Um, we don't really know. And, and it's, 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 it's unstoppable for that reason, right? And it's not under any single person, control, group, or any, no entity can alter it in any way or um, do anything to it. The only thing you can do is verify it. You can contribute to verifying it. So there's this saying in the Bitcoin community called saying, don't trust, verify. And basically that it removes the um, double spend problem from society and it creates an immutable ledger of truth that you can actually use to represent true scarcity. And because of that, <clears throat> um, you have something that works even better than gold, right? The reason why gold kind of has held its same value throughout time, it's non-inflationary, right? Because it's tied to the fact that it requires time and energy to take it out of the ground, and there's only a limited supply of it, right? Um, and if you look at, for example, diamonds would be the opposite. Diamonds has an artificial supply. It has an artificial value because diamond, the people that mine diamonds have a monopoly on diamond mining, and they hold... They hold, they hold the diamond mining monopoly. So because they hold the diamond mining monopoly, they're able to hoard them all and release them and control the value of them by doing such a thing, right? Whereas gold, um, it's not like that because there's, there's no monopoly on gold mining necessarily, right? But it's held that kind of property throughout time. But the problem with gold is you can only custody so much of it, right? So as an individual, your sovereign ability to claim your sovereign wealth as your sovereign, uh, to, to yourself as your sovereign ownership, um, is only as much as you can 
hold up by force, I guess, right? Like you either need to custody that goal to someone else, trust it to a third party who has the force to protect it, like a bank or something, right? Um, or you have to have literally like an army to defend your mountain of gold if that's what you have, right? Um, so this is kind of the, the problem that's existed through history. It also incentivizes it to be stolen, right? Because if you can just accumulate more force, well, then you can go and steal that person's wealth. Whereas what Bitcoin is, is it's, it's language, right? So it's it, to, to store your Bitcoin and to hold it as your own sovereign possession only requires you to know some words. You only need to know a phrase, right? It's like 12 words. So because of that, no one can take it from you necessarily, right? And the, you don't require, it doesn't require force to hold that. And you can create multi-sync solutions as well. So it's not even, you don't, you don't just need one set of words. You need multiple sets of words. And you can have multiple sets of words held by multiple parties, right? To further secure it even more beyond just your own. So, so it's, 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 it's almost like unstealable. It's unhackable. It's... Um, mm. Immutable there, for that reason. I thought, I thought that there was a recent hack. No, no, there's no hacks on Bitcoin. The Bitcoin network is is it's so it's enforced by thermodynamics because you would need more than fifty one percent of the total accumulated amount of energy that runs the network to then go back in time and falsify the network, right? Because every ten minutes, this is why Bitcoin is a is a time machine as well. It, it, it literally it solves the um, pr problem of, like, if you try to sync clocks up around the globe, you can't because of the problem of relativity, whereas Bitcoin actually solves the problem of relativity because it creates a 10 minutes. It's every 10 minutes is a, is a new block created, no matter what. It's always created at the same exact time. And that time is being run by servers around the world in a decentralized manner, right? So even if governments try to shut down the internet, they try to shut down energy production, they try to do any of that, the Bitcoin network is more resilient than all that, and it will continue to run. And even if all it takes is one node to keep running the Bitcoin network and keep pushing that time block every 10 minutes to, to, for, to preserve all the information on there, that can then be basically re-verified by when everyone else goes back online. Right, and the incentive to verify this network is you get recorded, we get rewarded Bitcoin. That's called Bitcoin mining, right? So when you after 2140, it won't be mined anymore. Bitcoin won't be mined because every four years it halves. The amount of Bitcoin that the network gives out, it it it, uh, it halves every four years. So it becomes scarcer and scarcer over time until we have a maximum of 21 million. By that time, everything is already valued in Bitcoin, right? It's called hyper-Bitcoinization. So when you have an immutable ledger of truth, over time, it allows people to save their time and their energy without it ever being debased, right? And the incentive for everyone to verify that ledger of truth is the ledger itself. So it's a paradox. It uses human greed, and it incentivizes truth. Right? So truth is actually uh, incentivized by human greed, which has never existed before in history. That's a paradox. So the reason we have a bank or a fiat system is because we need some third party to verify transactions. We already use cryptocurrency. If you have a bank account, you, have, you use cryptocurrency. It's just called the dollar. Right? They've just, it's the best branded digital, digital cryptocurrency. And they're the ones ensuring and verifying those transactions and that they are 
um, not double spending, right? So you're not like paying, paying twice with the same amount of money, right? This solves that problem without a third party to verify it because the verification of it is the consensus of all humans, right? So that's why it's so, it's different than money has ever been before. Because it's, it's different than what we use the term money. It's, it's, actually, it's actually just truth. It's just immutable truth. So that has many, many implications across the board in every area of human society. Once you have a way to store truth, objectable truth, then you can then build value on top of that objectable truth. And then you have true value right? And that just changes everything. It's just, it has this, this wave effect, this ripple effect through society. Um, and this is something I also believe to be referenced explicitly in Daniel 2, um, because it tells the story of the empires that rule the earth. Um, and then a, a stone cut without hands smites the, the, the statue, collapses all the empires of the earth all together at once, and then the stone grows to be a whole mountain and fills the earth. And, and the fact that the stone is cut without hands is very important because Bitcoin is a stone cut without hands, essentially. Um, and it has this immutability to it. And it, uh, there's other verses as well. Revelations 2.17, I do believe, also explicitly references Bitcoin. Um, and Revelations 3.18 could... Because in Greek, um, buy of me gold tried in a fire could be translated to coins proved of worth or proved of work, which is the, what Bitcoin is. It's proof of work consensus. So because it's tied to thermodynamics and energy, to, to its cryptographic hash, right? To, to, to verify these blocks, you need to run energy through a computer that runs this math equation, this algorithm and solves these cryptographic hashes. So you can't falsify that. It's proof of work. It's proof of energy consumed. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's the, um, in a nutshell, Bitcoin and why it's um, not like any other, any other thing. It's not, not, not like money we've ever known before. I can see why you say this. Now, um, when you go through the cycles of time, the aeons throughout history, you can see that there are stones that have been cut, physical stones on the earth that have been cut without hands. Um, I believe some of them are in Peru, I want to say, at some of the ancient sites. These be crystals? Crystals, is that what you're referring to? Um, Are the crystalline structures or? um, Stones stones um, that have laser cuts in them. Okay. And so I, I see that it's possible what you're saying is true because that was at one time. And so throughout history, our time, our energy, our technology, and our, and our understanding of things are as you, well changes. Are you familiar with Revelations 2.17? Um, have you read that one? If you pull it up real quick, it also references a stone, which is interesting. I have my Bible in front of me, so I'll look here. 217. Um, I've, I, I've been using the King James Version just because it's what I'm most familiar with. 
Um, but I, I always reference everything with the concordance because I, I don't trust the actual translation. I understand the uh, politics behind what King James did when he translated it. So, um, This is what my version, this is how my version reads uh, verse 17. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven. And I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. Yes. Okay, so it says basically the same thing. I'll read you real quick the, the one that I read. Um, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone, which is, I think, interesting, it's in, not on, but in the stone, a new name written, and no man knoweth, saying, he that receiveth it. Right? Um, so the way Bitcoin works is that you um, have this, basically this, this, like I said, it's a phrase, right? It's 12 words. And if you have the 12 words, um, no one else can know it. It's something that only you know. No one else can know it, saying he who receives it. Um, and that is your value. Um, it's just fascinating to me that it basically is tied right in there. And the overcoming thing, meaning that all of the terrible things referenced in the you know Armageddon scenario, there's this there's oh, there's this happy ending to the whole thing, um, and I just find it fascinating that it's it's actually attached to the so-called happy ending. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting too that we're discussing these churches since I just got back from seeing these churches in Turkey. Mm. Um, I believe that the church in Pergamum, because that's what this section is about, uh, verses twelve through seventeen, is the churches of Pergamum. And I believe that this is the one that is, what's the city that I went to? Um, very close to Denizli. Um, what is, I can't think of the name of it, but I'm referencing um, which church is which. I'm going back to my to my visit here. And the theory I have real quick while you're looking for that, um, of how John was actually transported through time and his consciousness was to actually see things to come. Um, is in the, the idea that, you know, time is not linear. If you kind of look at it from a fourth dimensional perspective, it's like looking down at a road from space, right? It's not really, uh, you're driving down the road, so it doesn't appear to be coming at you. Um, you can see it as it is in the whole form. And um, a, a network, a mycelium network, if you, if you imagine all of life being descended from one single source, so say imagine all of life on the on Earth is is sourced from one spore, so we all kind of have the same lineage at the end of it all, and then that whole lineage through time is interconnected through this genetic web, right? That's that's similar to how mycelium connects the whole forest. Then uh, at the end of all of it, at the end of time, if you look at it in a whole, or it's a circle, right? You see the whole thing. You then have the knowledge of the whole circle encoded in 
information form in the genetics of the entire thing. So the, 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 when life is existing through time, then all of that time through, the, through that life can be shared through the web of consciousness, which is God through all of it. Um, and then, so basically going on these, this journey, I believe that when he says that there was an angel and dressed in fine white linen that brought him there, it was, um, that he had ate a lot of mushrooms <laughs> it brought him there. Um, and he went and he seen these things and he'd never seen machines. He'd never seen electricity. He'd never seen any of the things described. And I think that he used his best language he had to try to describe technology as he saw it coming. Um, and, and, I, and I do believe that there's an th actual theoretical way of consciousness transported through time. Because you just talk about getting downloads and different things like that. I mean, like I, I've gotten some ideas before that I'm, it's clear to me aren't my ideas. They're just in my head and I have to write them down or do something with them. Um, and I, I can't explain that other than, okay, maybe there's like God, obviously, but the mechanism that God uses to work, I think is, is also important. Right. Most definitely. So I, um, it was in the end of May and in June of 2019, I believe, um, yes, 2019, that I took a trip to Greece, and the most important thing to me was to go to the island of Patmos. I needed to see from John's perspective how the book was written, how the book of Revelation was written. I didn't know it all at the time. I, I was just taking my journey, and I knew that I was having... Um, being led in certain directions, and I saw from from the island of Patmos how John wrote the book of Revelation. Most of it was done by astrotheology. One eleven here. <laughs> Funny, isn't it? On October eleventh. <laughs> That's fascinating. That is, uh, it's a cool perspective. Uh, it's amazing, really. The astrotheology. See, I started, um, uh, I've been writing poems for about a year now that have been coming through me. And um, one of the poems that I wrote was, um, used a reference from, from the stars because of how the constellations change and when i wrote the poem see i wrote um something about when the shepherd hooks the crown and there's a shepherd constellation in the sky and i wrote this while i was in turkey i saw it from there I, I used the app called starwalk 2 you can see the real time changing of the constellation of the stars um, but the the shepherd constellation, his name is Boots, B-O-O-T-E-S, and he had the crown, the corona, yeah. a, around his hook. And this was in 2019, you said you saw this? Um, actually, this this was this year when I was just in Turkey. I, I got back um, just a little over a month ago. I was in, I was in Turkey. I actually visited, um, I believe it's, was it the house of Mary Magdalene? Um, on the feast day of Mary Magdalene, which is also my birthday. Wow. Yeah. And um, I 
So I wrote it about the same time, uh, just just after that, just a couple days later. And yeah, when the when the shepherd hooks the crown is what I wrote, and I, I can't remember before or after that line. And that's what I was referencing was in the stars of when the shepherd hooks the crown. So I I know that when anyone reads through the book of Revelation, you can see so many references and how they line up to the constellations in the stars. I just posted in the Stats Radio chat. Uh, um, It's just a PDF. I just read it later in your free time. I just wanted to send that to you. Okay, cool. Uh, but it's just, it's the physics problem that, that, that Bitcoin solves. Uh, the Byzantine's general problem. Yeah. yeah, I just read it when you have free time. It's, it's very technical to absorb. But it's, uh, it's just, yeah, how Bitcoin is tied to physics. Cool. I'm printing it right now. Cool. Um, so, um, should, we, should we go into Daniel 2 a little bit more? I have one I would, more. I would love to, yeah. Okay, so um, you're from everything that you're saying about Bitcoin, I can see, I, I can see that it holds true. Um, but I wonder, is the thinking that goes along with Bitcoin that time and energy is a scarcity? No, it actually it it ends in a surplus. It ends in a it it it, 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 there's, it makes it so there's zero wasted energy. Like an end game of Bitcoin. So like this is the book I'm writing, um, A New Heaven. And I'm basing it loosely on Revelations as a, as a theme, the Revelations 21 and 22. I'm using it as a set and a setting. Um, and then I'm kind of projecting into the future a world that exists in that set and setting. Um, and, and, and that world has Bitcoin in it, um, among, among other things. But in this world, there's no wasted energy and there's a surplus of everything, right? So there's a surplus of food and water and, and, and technology and materials and anything you could use to create. Everyone is a creator. Everyone exists in a creative sense because there's no, there's no need to work because time and value are preserved. So what anyone, there's no need to work for needs because all of the needs are kind of provided as a side effect of the society. So there's like a surplus of physical needs and there's a surplus of resources and energy, but no one wastes energy because energy is tied to value. If that makes any sense. That's wonderful. I am. So, so with reference to what you're saying, see, this is how I view Bitcoin is that it is a temporary tool and we won't need it anymore when we are in heaven um, or in the seventh heaven. And basically for the people, because you're saying people don't need to, they won't need to work anyway because there is a surplus. So basically Bitcoin is an idea. They create uniqueness, right? And the uniqueness holds a value of its own. And Bitcoin is only the ledger of value. It doesn't represent value in and of itself. It represents a medium to exchange true value, which I, I, I predict would only be in a form of creativity because nothing else will have intrinsic value, I guess. So, so 
um, it's it's basically how I see it is is Bitcoin is on the cloud and for the people that need healing before getting to heaven um, heaven is a state of mind as in Luke 17 21 and as in 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verses 2 through 4 um, but it's a concept on the cloud that for the people that still need to see an outside value because they don't see their whole inside value yet. It's basically how I view it is like a video game for those that still need healing. Okay. I see that. That makes sense. So do you see the implications and the transition towards the, this state of mind um, of humans and society, which I predict is also a decentralized future where there's no, because Bitcoin is the reason for Bitcoin also is it's this thread of truth that connects different peoples with different perspectives. So this allows a plurality of religions as well as um, just ideologies in general and ways of living because um, proof of work will matter. It's a meritocracy in the way that if your ways of living in your ideology, in your group, um, don't kind of line up with the ways of nature and, this, and the kind of principles that this surplus, this idea of surplus is based on. It, it just won't hold up. It won't have merit. It won't be able to flourish, I think. And, and Bitcoin leads us there from where we are now because it enables the kind of meltdown of all the structures of kind of centralized power. And it allows people to separate entirely from the system and build their own systems essentially right and then that leads to smaller and smaller groups of governed humans that share a common group of group of truth like this a thread of truth is shared amongst them all i i think it's amazing yes yes yeah, very much a transitionary technology i would say um i just don't think it's going to go away at the end i think it'll always exist because the incentive to run the network will always exist in some way i think and um, and just like just like video games exist today yeah and i i agree with you because of that yeah some people probably just maybe won't participate because they'll have no need to exactly um, yeah i see that also coming kind of if you, if you don't want to participate um in trade or anything and you just want to just partake in the surplus that's around you um then I think that that would also be possible in that world, right? Because, like, because, I, I kind of just because some people's gifts and brain expansion come from learning through video games, um, and some people's brain expansion comes in other ways. So, yes, not everyone will have to participate. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting. Um, yeah, you want to get more into Nebuchadnezzar's dream? I do. I'd like to hear what you, what your take on on the um, the last kingdom is, like the the clay the clay and iron feet. Do you think that that's the kind of new world order, so to speak, or the great reset, or the uh, the global cabal kind of um, <laughs> centralizing their powers around the money printer, you know, around the central banks? Um, from my perspective, the final kingdom does not have any. Mm, power and control in it. 
Um, do you believe that the Iron Kingdom is the is the Roman Empire that you would, you would argue you would say that maybe it's already existing or what? Um, so when you say Roman Empire, um, I look at that as something in history, but um, with the rise and fall of empires um, and how they are repeated repeated is a difficult word here because nothing can repeat exactly because the time always changes um our our evolution is perpetual so nothing can repeat exactly um it's more like rhymes of history rather than repetitions but as these cycles come around again yes i see that the current situation with the new world order that has been spoken about by officials that um that we have given our power to are are repeating as that iron age but see i also see that as humans we have the ability to control time and with that ability see the reason why i say this so easily is because it's now 12:22 for me how did we get 12:22 who created that who put the number for 12:22 and who created the gregorian calendar that we use today to get the date and the time and see these are these are human concepts so we have the control over this type of time whenever we want to take it back and having that control of time looking at the differences and seeing what's in alignment when and where see this is space and time and seeing the interconnectivity of of space and time um so having that power and control yeah. match it matching it with our biological rhythms in our body see we have two natural biological rhythms in our body one is the circadian rhythm which matches to the sleep wake cycle of the sun and the other one is the infradian rhythm that matches to the the phases of the moon and when we allow ourselves to live with our natural biological rhythms instead of an unnatural rhythm such as the time that we use today and the calendar that we use today those are unnatural they don't match up with our biological rhythms so, that's fascinating people have already like in like in the Bitcoin community, like I'm a Bitcoin maximalist, but there's, there's many Bitcoin maximalists and some of them are like very like philosophically maximalist and like they don't use the calendar anymore. They don't use the time anymore. They just refer to blocks. They'll refer to blocks and like hash time signatures on the Bitcoin time chain. Cause it's like actually a more true version of like re- recording time than our calendars, than our clocks. <laughs> it's interesting. That's, like, that's amazing. I haven't heard of that before, but I, I've been living by the moon phases for about three years now. Instead of the Gregorian calendar. Interesting. So you measure things in moon phases. 
every intention that I set in my daily life aligns with the moon. And this is why I own the domain floattheriveroflife.com. I don't have anything connected to it yet, but it makes life so easy. It's like you're floating. Yeah, time chain. That's that's what the yeah, interesting. Because it's a different uh, yeah, it's a different perspective. I feel like everything that we like. I I was born in the in the early '90s, right? And I kind of like grew up with you know the perspective of because I was raised very religiously. I was raised outside of kind of the hype beast society that everyone kind of existed in, you know, like it's kind of funny if you watch just like kids, kids TV from like 2001 or something, it's just so cheesy. Right. And like comparatively to now things have gotten maybe less in mainstream media, I guess. I don't know. And it just like, I, I was outside of that as a kid and I was able to kind of always not, I didn't participate. And, and, um, and now from my perspective, I feel like I'm in a similar perspective in the way that, all of society's kind of like everyone's like oh it's halloween or it's this or it's that and everyone's just kind of on this like kind of hive mind mentality that's seemingly governed by the fiat consensus of things and that comes down to like you said the calendar and the time on your clock even like every single thing that governs every little part of your life is kind of ruled by this subconscious overlord that's like yes this is the lens you must see things through so let's you know? talk about time just a little bit more, um, if we can. And let's yeah, go back to the clock towers. Yeah, in the, in the, in the, in the towns, right? So everyone would it's, see and hear the time. Exactly, because um, the concept of clocks in everyone's home wasn't really created yet. Yeah. So this was their way of keeping the consensus, right? This was like a unifying string of truth that they held amongst their society. Maybe even more so than their money. It was their time. It's definitely more important than their money. Govern every aspect of life, including when you ate, when you rose, you know, when you slept. Exactly. Well, so yeah. I, I look at the creation of the fancy clock towers and I relate them to Freemasonry because they built some amazing buildings they really did see the freemasons they were they were masons they were stone masons and so they yep. were gifted with the ability to they had a different handshake for each um freemason and those handshakes were they built them so fast, too. They built these monolithic structures sometimes, and you look at when they were built, and it was like, oh, yeah, between 1802 and 1878. You're like, what? Yes, and have you ever <laughs> been Have you ever been to um, Europe or anything and seen, like, in Germany? I am fascinated. I've, I've, I've never been to Europe, but I've been all over um, um, kind of, I've been to like the East, like Boston and New York. I've been to like the, those old buildings. I've seen all that. And I've been all over Canada as well. I'm Canadian. So I've seen like all the old buildings um, around Canada. There's, there's a ton of them. When, when you say old, when you say old, the ones here in America and mm. the ones in Canada, are they, they, the ones in Europe blow them away. That's because amazing. the age is so much older than what we, than what we can see. Um, wow. And the, what I saw in 
in Ephesus and the other places in Turkey. What I saw in Tunisia, Carthage, Tunisia was amazing. And um, um, some of the oldest artifacts um, that are that have been found here on this earth are exist in the kingdom of um, Eswatini, which is in, it's a landlocked country inside of South Africa. I was there about two years ago, right before the pandemic started. Um, Eswatini. Oh, you know what? I can't, there, there's artifacts. Um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say buildings over there, but more, Artifacts. They said that they have the oldest ones in some of the museums over there. Um, oh. But I, I did when I was in Greece on the island of Crete. I saw um, Knossos Palace, which I have some amazing pictures of that. I, I can't even tell you. I, it, in there, there was there was the throne room in Knossos Palace, and they have the horns, um, like the horns of Taurus. Inside of there, that was the big symbolization at Kenosis Palace. Kenosis is also connected to Gnosis, G-N-O-S-S-I-S, Gnosis, which is knowledge or the knowing. Wow. And it connects to, you see, the horns of Taurus connect to the goddess Isis with her crown um, that looked like horns. And or being the bull, right? Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. So those horns, and this is where the worship of the the bull comes from in the Hindu religion, or the cow. Um, wow. That's a, that's a Bitcoin thing as well, right? Bullish, right? Like bullish, market's bullish, everyone's bullish. Oh, so. yeah. Okay. So, and I connect this to actually, see, um, a, lot of, a lot of very important words get hijacked. So that we give a different meaning. Um, so let's, I'm talking about Isis, the goddess Isis. See, here on the earth, so many people talk about Isis, the terrorist organization. So when we put negative energy, it distorts its meaning. And that energy that we carry as a collective is so important. So if we can put positive energy back Definitely like a you're always bullish, never bearish. Like it's forever bullish. Doesn't matter. It's always going up, right? It's weird. Very interesting correlation. So, so you're you're saying always going up. See, this reminds me of the ascension, the word that we talked about earlier too. Jesus's ascension, Eliza's ascension, Enoch's ascension, and so this ascension, the word ascension, is our states of consciousness within us yeah. Yeah. wow <laughs> yeah that's the, that's the thing like this is why um that's actually why i started this whole um, channel like this whole podcast platform um well this is my podcast we're doing right now but there's eventually there's going to be like six episodes every day always live streamed on the server 
being recorded and sent out, right? And I hope it to be tons of conversations like this that people that don't normally host a podcast or have a podcast, then they put stuff in like this. And then it just gets sent out there into the collective consciousness and it, and it, it raises everyone's awareness, right? Because even if they weren't thinking about those things, now they are, right? And it kind of, just everything kind of builds on each other because I've noticed a million synchronicities in the um, Bitcoin space and so many others have and said they have. And these, we've had so many conversations that have kind of like circled the drain of esotericism and religion and, you know, some of the actual other episodes hosted on here already have had those themes to them. And it's interesting that it kind of, uh, how those two worlds have collided and you wouldn't expect that like from like a face value perspective. It's like, what are these like, you know, code engineer computer geeks have to do, you know, with these sort of philosophical metaphysic conversations, but then they, they definitely tie together very, very well, which is fascinating. Yes. And, and this is why I, I wanted to come on the podcast because I wanted to challenge the idea of, of needing a monetary system. I know that some people want to use it. Some people um, have this desire to to be in it and le- similar to the video game. But really, what I see is, see, I, I'm living in, in, in heaven. I know that's difficult for some people to understand because of the church's teachings of what heaven is and where heaven is. As a state of mind, you mean? Exactly. I'm living in heaven 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, in heaven, there's no power and control that exists over you. You are your own sovereign being. And in heaven, there's complete peace and harmony. And so with peace and harmony in that path, in that, in that realm, a power and control cannot exist over you because the peace and harmony cannot exist at the same time as the power, money, and control. So, getting back into Daniel chapter 2, when it talks about clay, think about clay. Is clay something that you play with as a child? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely a moldable, moldable object. And does everybody have to play with clay? Oh, no. No, I would say everyone has to. Do we walk on it? Yeah. Oh, I see you're saying like it, it interacts with everyone at some point in their life. Sure, but we can we can walk all over it. Yeah. Because we have more power. Than and it being... Yes, exactly. Being the feet, right? Exactly. So it's... So you think that... So what is the, what is the story of the kingdoms that are the empires? Like, is it not the story... It, like, it, from Nebuchadnezzar's perspective, I would assume that him being the head, right? He's seeing this dream. He's seeing this unfolding of things in this form, and it disturbs him because it moves him on a deep level. And he, you know, gets someone to interpret it, and Daniel interprets it. And but like, he's seeing this thing of the, these things that don't happen. And I've heard, you know, all the 
assignments like, oh, this part of the body represents this kingdom and so on and so forth. Um, because from his perspective, they were still to come, but now from our perspective, a lot of them have happened. So then there's this like, oh, where, where are we now? Well, now we're in the feet, I guess. But I don't know. Wait, is that the fact that it's mixed with iron and the previous one also being iron? Is that to show that like the old, that one empire just kind of continues, but it doesn't seem to be continuing? You don't notice that it's continuing? Like subtle, like clay under your feet? Also, maybe like. Like the Roman Empire never went away, it just continued on, and now it's like that, or it's a whole separate thing entirely. Well, let's look at, let's, let's relate this to today. So, today we have, do we have kings and queens? Can we say uh, that there are kingdoms? Who's in charge of power, the king? I would say. Now it's mm. just corporations, I would say, are the new kings. There's no real person in charge anymore. Even if there's a queen of England, per se, it's just figurative necessarily. It's not truly powerful, I guess. I don't know. Okay, so it depends on where you live on the earth to say if if someone has power over you. Because right now in California, um, the masks, masks are mandated everywhere you where you go. Um, yeah. I have a friend that just was out for a bike ride and stopped at a gas station. Outside, too. Yeah. Oh, outside. Is, well, they have, I have a, they have to wear them outside like Australia or? Um, no, no. Um, I have a friend that was just out for a bike ride and um, he was getting thirsty. So he stopped at a gas station to get water. He did not bring a mask with him. He stopped at the gas station to get water, though, and he was asked to leave the gas station. Basically, he's told that he cannot get water, even though he's thirsty and he's tired from riding his oh, bicycle. Yeah. And so he had to ask someone else outside of the gas station, some another, um, another customer, to please get him water. Because he, he was not allowed to go inside of the gas station to get water. So, um, who's in control there? Who's the king or the queen or the master there? I would say the uh, the government, I guess, or the the mandate or the um, the the brainwashed people that enforce it. I guess I don't know. <laughs> the governor of California that um, was just went through an impeachment um, trial. Yeah. And then got reelected with like sixty eight percent vote or something, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the so, whole thing's rigged. Like it's like it's just theater. Like politics in my opinion are just theater. Like it doesn't mean anything ever actually. It's just it's it's just whoever has the most money controls the political decisions. So really who's running the country is uh, oligarchs, I guess you could say. Like it's just it's just a lot of money pooled in certain industries that kind of sides kinda collect around the money pin printer and then they like the governments are kind of like the, the people that are the talking heads in government or the in the structure that is government they're just kind of there to like jostle their way into a position where they can talk and stuff and make this kind of make the people feel a certain way and then get the right deal with the right lobby group and this and that and it's all a bunch of like circle jerking basically so right now with the raising of the debt ceiling what that's exactly what we're talking about, isn't print it? A, print a trillion dollar coin, like oh, that's so funny. Like yeah, let's print okay. a trillion dollar coin. <laughs> so let's go back. Um, and I want to reference the the churches in Turkey. So the churches in Turkey 
they had huge theaters. And the theaters, huge theaters, we're talking about 25,000 seats in the theaters in these yeah, churches. Yeah. So everyone Mega was, churches or whatever. Yes, they were. And so everyone would assemble in these theaters. Fiat mining operations, I call them. <laughs> and they would have, they, were, they would hold theater in front of them and they would wear masks on their faces and they would do political theater and religious and religious theater inside of these theaters and so seeing that theaters i love how you call them a theater not a church (laughs) yep well well, the the church is basically the the city yeah when they're talking to the church they're talking to the city um and so this this cycles of time, this what I was talking about, the repetition of history is so relevant to today with wearing a mask. Yep. And the governments of the world being a reality show that we're watching. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, just like uh a hundred years ago. Same thing. Exactly. So this is the kingdoms. The kings, the kings and queens, rising and falling. And we know that energy cannot be created or destroyed, but rather just transferred. So those right now that are holding the power over their populations, well, this energy is coming. And the the 99% of the population is becoming kings and queens and i heard somebody saying just a couple days ago that they feel that they are being herded and i think that this is um the consensus of the general population that they feel that they're being herded in one direction or the other but using our intuition and letting um our higher self or our higher power guide us into if we're being herded in the right direction or the wrong direction. Wow. Yeah. That's like, uh, did you see the Met, the Met Gala? I think it was or not one of those celebrity <coughs> festivals or whatever. And it was interesting to see that all the people that were there as workers were all masked up and the people that were so being celebrated were basically wearing like hunger games outfits and they were, uh, they were basically maskless, right? Which I found fascinating. Or, yeah, just weird. Like, it was like, oh, yeah. And then it's so obvious the point that everyone can even see that. It doesn't matter what side of the, like, political line they are. They're like, oh, we can see that. But we're going to continue to worship these people anyway. Like, it's just like, this. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But you're well, not hiding you, it, right? It's right in your face. <laughs> you, sh- you shared the hive mentality earlier. And I want to expand on that thought just a little bit. Because one of the ancient symbols of Freemasonry is a beehive. And most mm, 99% of Freemasons today don't wow. even know that that was one of the symbols that existed in Freemasonry. And I have not found a single Freemason that understands the meaning of the symbol that exists in Freemasonry. Wild. And the hive mentality here is we either are following the the reality show of politics or religions, or 
we are following those that are being divinely appointed to seats in as the kings and queens in heaven. Wow. That's interesting that about the kings and the queens and who is sovereign and who is over you. And that's uh, another Bitcoin thing. Like everyone in Bitcoin, that's a Bitcoin maximalist and sees the future that's bringing. It's about self-sovereignty, right? It's about complete individual autonomy. And that's, that's the beauty of it. And the reason I was going that's wild with the bees so much is on this, on this Twitter feed here uh, that is open on my screen, this has been open the whole time we've been talking, actually. Um, it's a caramel bar thing. Stupid commercial. But it's, it has a worker bees. And saying made by a caramel worker bees, the secret or whatever. <laughs> That's interesting. That's fun. <laughs> and I have um, on my bracelet one of my charms is a beehive. Interesting. Yeah, all these weird little uh, links in in uh, reality. Have you ever done DMT, DMT uh, uh, um, like by taking it through smoke or by doing ayahuasca or any of that, or just through breath? No, no, my DMT experience was only, um, was only, it wasn't a tried experience. It was brought to me. Would you, would you care to go into it a little further or? Um, it's my first experience was, was having visions. Um, I had true visions. They're not dreams and they're not, um, Um, my visions were of the new earth. Uh, they started about, oh, I can't remember the timeline. I'd have to look at my notebooks because I wrote dates down. Um, probably between three and four years ago. Um, my vision, my first vision, well, my very first vision was when I saw Jesus standing before me. He raised my hand and said, I'm walking through this with you. Um, but the other visions, the, the ones of the new earth, one was the brightest colors I've ever seen before, all in plants in front of me. Um, the, the plants were brighter than a box of Crayola crayons. The brightest colors I've ever seen before, nothing can compare. And just everywhere full of plants. The second vision that I had of the new earth was... Um, a tunnel of water, if you can imagine a, a circle, a circular tunnel, just of, of water, a huge tunnel in front of me, and it was filled with all of the new water animals, huge animals inside, like dolphins and mongooses and huge water animals just rushing, rushing through this tunnel. And these were um, visions you had during this kind of where you went. Did you leave your body? You feel your yourself, your awareness, leave your time, your body in kind of space and time, and then you were just in this new realm, sort of speak. Like no, I was I was in my bedroom. But it came through through like in your head, like you could see it. Um, I could see it right in front of me, like I was watching it happen. Oh wow, that's wild. So it like kind of came into your bedroom then. It was there in your bedroom with you. Yes. Wow. That's fascinating. <laughs> but, the, but, but like the tunnel of water seemed bigger than my bedroom. 
Yeah, yeah. Like your perception of space was like distorted in some way. Yes. Interesting. Wow, that's amazing. That's what they talk about with uh, Anna, Anna Mara Mascara, which I can't say it properly, but the, the, the red and white mushroom. That's why. Have you read The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross by Joe no. Allegra? No, uh, I haven't. You, you should read that. It's a really good one. Um, he's one of the linguists who, look at the, who looked at the Dead Sea Scrolls, and he said that, hey, all these names in here are Sumerian cuneiform. They're not Hebrew, and they're not Greek. Why are all the names in Sumerian cuneiform? And then when they translated it into English, they, like, when King James did, they, he, he made everything like Lord and God and Lamb and Christ and all these things. He translated it that way into these English words, but they weren't in Greek originally, or they weren't in Hebrew. They were written in Sumerian cuneiform. And, and Allegro's argument was like, why are these in cuneiform? This doesn't make any sense. And then he read further and went up further, and he realized that, oh, these are actually referring to these plant entities, these, like, plant goddesses and gods. And he's like, okay. Well, then he, like, went further into it, and he's like, okay, well, the origins of Judaism is actually based on a fertility cult. And then it kind of circles the mushroom. And he argues that manna in the, in the, in the Bible is based on the um, ergot fungi. Um, there's a bunch of interesting correlations inside of it but he wasn't aware in the 50s when he wrote all of this um, and studied the dead sea scrolls he wasn't aware of psilocybin it hadn't been really studied yet um and so he was kind of in reference to all of this he was referencing always the anamera mascara i can't say it the red and white mushroom and that distorts apparently your your perception of, of space um in a weird way it makes small objects appear really large and in different sort of weird things but i've heard that the experience is really really not enjoyable they're fun and um not it's more of like a a nordic thing from what i understand but uh i personally believe that it was psilocybin being referenced not that mushroom at all but that's just like a completely just what i feel intuitively of no real basis of it um to to say um i i want to share that i follow um, she's very new at, at doing this because I don't think that there are any real or I haven't found any real astrotheologists out there um, and I just started following her uh, so I'm not sure if everything that she's studying and she doesn't know either, she'll admit it is 100% but um, on YouTube I, and I don't follow many people at all I think that I think I might have four different things that I might be described subscribed to and she's one of them it's crystal dash time t-y-m-e yes on youtube so crystal c-r-y-s-t-a-l dash t-y-m-e and um she in her newest episode which was just yesterday she's got like a she's got like a phoenix on her picture here Yes, in her newest episode yesterday, she came out and she said that she found oh, the, yes, mushroom, yes. the mushroom in, in the stars, the old constellation of the mushroom. And she finds old constellations and relates them. Um, she, has, she brings in, um, in this episode for sure, which I haven't watched the whole thing yet, um, but she brings in songs that have been written um this one she's talking about an elton john song and the lyrics in the song and how they correspond to the astrotheology as well so there's many creators 
many artists throughout history that have basically been prophets. I definitely believe in modern-day prophets. I've been called one myself by other people, too. I have that on my Instagram, a recent message from somebody. It's been happening for, you know, some time now. And I, you know, what do you say to that kind of thing? Because in, especially in everything in, in the religions, we're taught, no, that's that's not a thing. Although I, I like John Smith's t- teachings through the Mormon church. Um, I believe it's Seventh-day Adventist. And they do believe in mod- modern-day prophets as well. And what a prophet is, by definition, is... Um, an inspired teacher. Inspired teacher. Wow. Yeah, that's really what it means, I guess. Yeah, I thought it doesn't actually mean talking facts about the future, predicting time, does it? Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, a lot of prophets I, I did predict time, I guess, but not all of them did. Um, <laughs> I, I'd like to bring in, because we've been talking about so many different things with with time. So if I could bring in a verse in 1 Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 58. Um, the reason I bring this in is because it helps to see time in a little bit different way. First Corinthians 15? Yes. Verses 51 through 58. Um, This part, starting at verse 35, it talks about the resurrection body, talks about the difference between the spiritual body and the earthly body, but specifically verses 51 through 58 um, talk about immortality. And so when when I asked earlier, is time and energy a scarcity and how that's viewed by the ones that, that follow Bitcoin? Um, so time, the concept of time when you're an immortal being, and that's specifically in verse 53. It says, for our dying bodies, dying bodies, must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then verse 54 says, then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. And so that's why that last chapter in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, says, do not seal up the prophecy in this book. Interesting. So you mean that... Um, so, so what does that have to do with like a, like a, a shift in fundamental physics like like we we shift into a new dimension like what's the well that new dimension is inside of us it's our state of consciousness and so when we get reach the state of consciousness that we are immortal beings and that we do not die the bible is fulfilled okay so that means that the holy or the era the age or the epic of time 
that the holy books were written for is fulfilled and we move into the next aeon or epic of time. Because it's a mind state, you're saying. So, like, when you become self-aware as an immortal being, then time kind of just melts away in that sort of speak, and you don't see things through that, that perception anymore. And then if everyone shifts over to that perspective, we'll live in a new age. That's, a, that's exactly right. See, I'm already here in heaven. Interesting. I see where you're going with this. I like that. I like that a lot. So that, how... that, that ties into DMT and mushrooms and all that. Because for, for me, mushrooms have been very powerful. But the most single most profound experience I've had in my life was a DMT breakthrough, where I, it was like I literally died and was born again. Like that's what it felt like to me. Like it was like the experience of my body and time and space and everything that I know and recognize and associate with me as myself as an individual was simply gone, and there was only a pure awareness left. And that pure awareness was then tied to my breath. And then my breath brought me back, my body and my senses. So it was like my breath and then my senses one by one. And then my awareness of my body. And then I could, and then I basically saw my arms kind of like grow up around me. I was laying on a beach and I just like felt the, I felt myself come from the ground. It was wild. And, and the thing about when I first took the hit and I was about to leave my body, the last thing I could do was rip my shoes off. Like I felt this terrible, terror, terrorizing feeling. Like this is the most terrible, most terror I've ever actually felt ever at one point was that my feet or that I was disconnected from the earth because of my rubber shoes. And I ripped my shoes off. I've never worn rubber shoes since then because of that reason. Like it, it completely like, it was the most terif- terrifying feeling I've ever felt. I can't explain it. That's all I could do is tear my shoes off and then I was gone. Uh, but yeah, coming back was, it felt like birth. I don't know how to explain it. Wow. Um, and these are similar to what the pastors today in the world are teaching about the birthing process to get us to the next place. And so all of these birth pains that are being had in order to transform our collective reality. Uh, you know, I can, I can relate to you with, you with your experience a little bit. I did have an out-of-body experience in a meditation class, so I got there through breath, and it was absolutely amazing. I um, could see from above. I could see my body laying below. That's fascinating. There's a lot of esoterical not esoterical necessarily, but just like writings of like monks and stuff of like how they describe their meditation practice. And it's that they're kind of in a third person perspective of themselves the entire time. It's really weird. And that's a, yeah, it's a common thing across. feels like that's the goal of meditation in a way. Um, my physical vital signs over the years, um, one of the one of the things I did in in the ancient Egyptian mystery school was to feel my heart and to count my heartbeats and I couldn't find my heart I couldn't feel my heartbeat I tried to find my pulse so many different times and I couldn't do it and um, there was a lot of frustration that I felt through it and um, when I have been to the doctor um, they have made many comments to me about and even if, if I'm put on a machine, it starts beeping because my pulse is too low. Um, and so when I, when I get a massage, 
too. I um, am asked by the therapist many times if I'm okay because my breath, when it comes out of my body, it's like I'm my physical body is there and my spirit leaves it for a minute. It's um, there's a book that really helps me understand it more that I just started reading when I was gone traveling. I was I started reading it um, in in Tunisia, and it's uh, it's amazing because this book was written in about the well, it wasn't written over there, I don't think, but the stories that are told. See, it's it's called Anna, grandmother of Jesus. So it's written on the Mediterranean Sea, and I was on the Mediterranean Sea when I started reading that book, and I had no idea of the references that would carry through, but the author speaks of being able to put her physical body in a closet and hide it from others to not scare them, and that's almost what I feel like I can do with my physical body. Wow. That's, uh, what's your, what's your, um, you mentioned, I remember when we were talking before, um, you mentioned something about a document you were, you were drafting. Yes, I have an agreement drafted, the agreement to the seventh heaven. It's based on the natural laws. And when 51% of Americans sign it, the entire government dissolves, and then we extend it across the rest of the world, and all of the world dissolves when, when the population decides we're ready. Sorry about that. My uh, button wasn't working. Yeah, that's uh, that's a like so. And is this backed by like legal? just like legal documentation, basically, like if they sign it, then it, it overrides all the existing laws in a, in a court of law, or how does, that, how does that work? Well, according to the Constitution and the, what's it called that was written before the Constitution? I can't remember the name of it. Um, um. Interesting, the Constitution was um, drafted, actually, after the Great Law of Peace, which is actually the law of my people, the Haudenosaunee. Oh, wow. Um, so, the, but this allows, see, we're the only government in the world, we're the only, yeah, we have the only government in the world that allows for when our, when our, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So liberty is freedom. Life is our our ability to live here on this earth. And our pursuit of happiness, what, what keeps us happy in our lives, when those things are taken away from us, which they are taken away from us through this manufactured pandemic, um when when they are taken away from us we have the ability to create our own concept of government because that's what a government is it's just a concept just an idea similar to what the government said antifa was just an idea right 
And so the government is just an idea too. And when our, like I said, when our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness are taken away from us, we have the power then to create a new form of government to let the current form dissolve. So that's what this is. That's what this agreement is. It's very simple, and yes, it's legal. And so when 51% of people sign it, then we are set free from all of the government and all of the government systems. How does that work into translate? Like, how are they just going to like just lay down their uh, their arms? I mean, I guess literally. Or like, what does that work? Like, what did they just go? Okay, yeah, you guys, you guys want it? It's over. You can oh, see. Um, they might try to fight it, you know, and but it's whoever gives their power up over to them, which I don't. Mm-hmm. We all have that choice. What do you think that this is? This is another reason why Bitcoin could be such a powerful transitionary tool is because it it takes away their declaration of sovereignty, the fiat standard, right? Um, when you replace the fiat standard with the Bitcoin standard, the rights and liberties and, I guess not liberties, but yeah, liberties. Uh, liberty, I think, is a weird word because I think it means that like you're, you're granted that. But rights and freedoms, I guess, or inherent rights are kind of guaranteed by the absence of a governing body of truth, which is what everyone recognizes the government as, even if they're not true, obviously, but they are recognized as true. Right? So I didn't even go, I didn't even go into this um, earlier when we were talking about Bitcoin, but the, the creator of Bitcoin, Satoshi Yakamoto, um, the yep. meaning, the meaning of his name, um, the spiritual meaning of his name, I should say, means the origin of happy. Wow, is that is that true? I did not know that. I'm gonna, yes. I'm definitely gonna share that. I I looked I looked that up um, some time ago, and that's what it's I found. It's the origin of happy. Now, the oh origin, wow! Yeah, so I like can in, Jap- see... in Japanese. That's what it means, or in uh, like, isn't it a Japanese name? I think. It, it it is yes yeah yeah that's interesting <laughs> origin of happiness I like that that makes exactly. that's very very uh, very accurate for sure most definitely because I can see why Bitcoin would be a tool as a transition to move into a utopian society hundred percent. It's it, to me is like literally all I think about because once I discovered what it really was, like funny story, but we actually had some Bitcoin about 10 years ago. Um, and like, and, uh, I didn't really understand what it was or take it seriously at all. I, I got gifted it by a friend that was into computers and he was just like, Hey, hold on to this. It'll be worth something. I was like, sure, man. And then I just, you know, lost track of the time. It's probably in a landfill somewhere. I have no idea. And, uh, and then I heard about it again in 2017, 2018, when there's like that boom, right? And I just kind of was like, eh, whatever. Like I've heard about this before, but whatever. It's, I kind of like didn't really, you know, pay that much attention. And then it crashed again. I was like, yeah, it's whatever. And then I actually had thankfully learned about it from somebody who was like a maximalist just kind of before this whole, you know, pandemic happened. And um, right when, right when like March 2020 uh, April 2020, like when all that happened, I was just like, kind of discovering what Bitcoin really was, and then the price dropped when everything dropped, and I was able to, I was like, oh, nice, you know, just convenient timing, but 
I then kind of went on this journey over the last few years almost now of just exploring what the implications of that mean. And I just like, it's not like about getting rich. It's not about, you know, it's not about, uh, any of that, which is kind of what draws people into it. Obviously, I think originally that's kind of like the beauty of it. It's like kind of like, Oh, Hey, check this out. And like, you can buy this and you can get rich. So that's kind of what people think of when you just say Bitcoin the average person. They're like, Oh, I already missed out on that. That's what they'll tell you because they don't think the price at whatever it is now. I don't even know. Cause I don't really pay attention because to me, the price doesn't matter, but, uh, the price is like 57, 57,000 yeah, 57, American. Yeah. So it's like, uh, <clears throat> People are like, oh, yeah, it's too late for me to buy a Bitcoin, right? Because they're imagining you know, them buying Bitcoin at a dollar, <laughs> whatever it was, right? And, they, and it's like, no, 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 you're missing the whole point. It's not about that. And, like, if you think about if it's just a number bias, I mean, a Bitcoin breaks into 100 million pieces, right? So a Satoshi today is fractions of a cent, right? So, I mean, you can, you can still buy units and get rich off of them in the future um, if that's your goal. I think that that's just what the average person from a fiat mindset is. And this is the debate inside of the crypto world where people are like, oh, we have cryptocurrencies and we have this thing and we have that thing and it does this and it does that. But like at the end of the day, all it is is just like an online casino essentially. And you're just gambling on some company's proposals and ideas and infrastructure and whatever it is. But they all have a CEO and they all have like a head of a company and they all have like some, some form of consensus and agenda that is kind of what drives their model and their price and their value right and you yeah it's like a stock market or a casino that's all it is and um bitcoin maximalists are just like no 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 and none of that is even like relevant bitcoin is a thing of its own it's its own it's a it's a it's a thing that does different it makes everything different and you, you can't come back from it you can't go back at all and i i believe this is already happening um myself this is like i don't work for feed anymore i no longer like for me i it doesn't even exist all i do is um this stuff here like this podcast stuff and writing a book and um for me i just i'm focusing on food production for my family and people i, I care about right because i foresee a future where you know relying on the system in any way shape or form you know, it's called opting out on every layer is going to become important because <clears throat> as these sort of powers that be kind of cling to their structure of power, I think that it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's not going to be an easy road, I think, especially for people that don't want to jump through every hoop they throw at you in their, in their mechanism of control, right? Because like, if they get their way, they would like an irreversible dystopia. So on the way to that, while well, we wait for Bitcoin to kind of eat the world, right? Because it, it wins the energy equation. And this is what I was think I was mentioning before is that all of these groups and these corporations and these governments and these entities and these nefarious groups, they all own Bitcoin. They're buying Bitcoin. They own tons of it. You know, they they, they have their ways of doing that and it shows like it's a it's a ledger, it's an open ledger, you know, and um some groups are open about what they own and some groups have open investments and those open investments are groups like BlackRock and things like that. And they own a lot of Bitcoin. And there's a reason why the Chinese government owns a lot of Bitcoin, um, regardless of what they say and ban Bitcoin for the eighth time. Um, they still own a lot of Bitcoin. And this is why, because they, it wins the long game and they know that everything's going to be valued in that one day. So they better like get a lot of it and stop their citizens from getting it and get them all under their artificial omniscience. So they can control the narrative into the future for as long as they possibly can. 
Um, so I think opting out on every layer and getting yourself food security and food sovereignty is, is essential. And I encourage everyone to do that. And I think that the more of little groups of individuals and then other groups of individuals that form collective groups of food sovereignty will create food sovereign networks that will be um, created with on the Bitcoin network. And I think it'll all kind of lead to the, you know, this is just kind of like a meme in the Bitcoin culture, but you know, like the Citadel future. And I think that that is the tribal future of humanity that long form, you know, combined with the hemp plant unites the world in a, in a unified law of peace, because we don't have a need for a third party parasitic organization that like pits us against each other. You know, everyone has a surplus of, of resources and everyone has a surplus of energy because, you know, this is another thing that Bitcoin is doing for the energy world is it flips the energy crisis narrative on its head, the whole false carbon crisis narrative and this whole rationing carbon let's lead to, um, you know, we got to ration and tax your carbon use, you know, and it, it, it steers it towards, Hey, actually let's stop wasting energy and let's monetize it. Right. Like Bitcoin, you can mine it anywhere. So with a satellite link, right. You, it doesn't matter where the energy is. So when energy is not economical to bring to market for energy producers, instead of burning it off and doing nothing with it, 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 it incentivizes the use and the repurposing of that energy into a monetary form. And this has a long, this is a long form implication to a world where no energy is ever wasted. So you're not going food in Brazil to ship to China to get like packaged and transported to be shipped to the UK to then be like sent through a warehouse over to like Holland and then back to the USA and then shipped down to Mexico. Like it makes no sense. But that's what we do right now. And I, I think none of that so happens in a future where energy is monetized. Not scarce, but monetized, right? I like I like how you said that um, that the ideas. I don't know exactly how you said it would be flipped on its head, so flipped upside down, correct? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to bring it back one more time because I brought up the planet Venus earlier, being referred to as Lucifer. Yep. Um, Venus is the only planet that is upside down. Interesting. So Venus being Lucifer, the bright morning star in Isaiah 14, 12, Jesus' return as also being the bright morning star in Revelation 22, when Jesus' return comes, which is happening right now, as in reference to Luke 17, verse 24, that talks about when Jesus comes and how, and how it's like the lightning flashing in the sky from one end to the other. See, it doesn't happen all at the same time, like the church's teachings of the rapture. It happens in the blink of an eye, because it's instant when it happens inside of us. Wow. But happening and covering the entire earth all at the same time, as in a rapture, like those teachings, that's absolutely yeah. false. So, but Venus, or Lucifer, or the return of Jesus, coming back inside of us and flipping things on its head see that's exactly the teachings what of of freemasonry of all of the freemason symbolism um they have this the triangle the star of david um is two triangles put together one with the point up and one with the point down one is with the god energy and the other one is with the goddess energy
this is tied to Venus. Is Venus, um, there's, there was a planet that was far bright in the sky the other night. I think it was Jupiter, right? Um, yes, this is the ancients used to refer to the planet Venus as Lucifer is because it was the bright planet that came up, that they could see at dawn. It came up before the sun. So the early star. Yes. The east, did it come up in the east as well, or? Um, you know, that one, I don't know, but I want to say it came up before the, before the sun. It was the bright morning star, the dawn. Because it would be reflecting the sun still, I guess, because it's closer. It's between the sun and earth. So this is also in reference to the goddess energy that's coming back inside of us. Wow. Very we've fascinating. Been, yeah, we've been activated for this time, and it's really amazing to just follow our intuition and do as we're told to do by spirit and making sure that our intention, similar to the rainbow serpent's story, that our intention is ali aligned, the root of the intention is aligned for bringing peace and harmony to the world. And this is why this is why I made my name on here, Lucifer, because I understand the meaning of Lucifer. I understand that it's the the one that brings the light, the light workers that are in the New Age teachings. It's all in reference to this, and so a lot of people get triggered because of out of fear, but it's one more step to overcoming fear because of the conditioning the manipulation, the indoctrination that we faced in our lives. And so overcoming this fear head-on is very important. That's how we overcome all fears. What do you think about the laser eyes, like the Bitcoin community, right? That's the whole thing, like Bitcoin, till like laser eyes till, till hyper-Bitcoinization. And that's the whole the premise of it. I don't even know where it came from. It just became a meme. And someone, I don't, someone said laser eyes till 100K, and then everyone put laser eyes on to signify they were like bitcoiners and then it became like a bitcoin maximalist thing and then it became like oh now we're just laser eyes until everything is bitcoin until it beats the world and uh it's like kind of like inner light or something right like <laughs> sure sure it can be in reference to that i guess i don't know that much about the laser eyes i but i did see it in reference to bitcoin yeah, it's just become a, it's become like a meme of the culture. I'm not too sure where it came um, from, but it's one of those interesting things. It just gets adopted, right? I wanted to bring up one more um, verse in in the same chapter that I was in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, because we're talking about kingdoms in, in Daniel 2, and this is exactly what this speaks of. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 24, says, after that after that the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father having destroyed every ruler and authority and power interesting and 20, 26 says or 25 says in the in the version this version uh, you uh, he must for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet Thank and the you. last enemy that should be destroyed is death yeah <laughs> Exactly. So this is all, this all lines up to the clay that I said we were walking on. So destroyed mm -hmm. under the feet, we're going to be walking on it, aren't we? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating.
crazy stuff. So do you think that like uh, there's a future of like, where do you see the world in a thousand years? Like, where, where do you see us in, like, you know, planet Earth? What do you see? What do you see? I don't know if everybody, I don't know if anyone hardly is ready for what I see for our future. Um, our future is really a beautiful place. I will tell you that for sure. It's different from how we live today because imagine living in peace and harmony with the animals on the Earth. Because the animals on the Earth don't need money. I can, I can. My people uh, used to live in harmony with the animals on the earth uh, not too long ago. So, what does peace and harmony with the animals exactly look like? That's the part that gets a little bit crazy. Um, I think we're just at, uh, we're at, we're at one with the principles of nature and we don't, we don't waste anything and we don't, um, there, everything is in balance, right? Then we live in hormesis with the balance that exists, and we don't try to impose our will upon nature anymore. Like whereas today, we kind of have this like distorted view of, I just called the colonizing mindset of, hey, we're going to come in here, we're going to chop down these forces, we're going to till this land, and we're going to like force it to do what we want, and we're going to do all these things versus the traditional way of, in, in, from my perspective is you know you let the land do what the land does and then you can you can help guide the land or you can kind of follow as well and you if you do that properly and you walk together with the land then the land will, will reward you and you'll reward the land and then there'll be there'll be plenty and bounty for everyone <clears throat> um those are kind of some of the most, teachings most definitely so um we're talking about Hmm. We've talked about a lot of things. I wanted to mention earlier about um, you know forty-two. <laughs> so um, we were talking about yes, giving back to the earth, um, and there's a couple concepts that I've been given on my journey. I've been sharing them on my Instagram page. Um, my Instagram is Katie A Clapper. Um, but one of them is the part about using our physical bodies, anyone that does not transform into an immortal being, when, when the physical body um, sees death, we typically put it in a coffin and place it under the earth. However, um, I shared... Um, having our physical body go into a, a capsule that gets planted in the earth and a tree growing out of it. If I was going to die on this earth, my physical body, that's the way that I would want to get back. I would want to bring a tree back um, through, through my that's body really, and give, really give back. Yes. And so imagine this being done across the planet, um, feeding the earth with our physical body and the earth then becoming alive again. That's, that's really cool. Because like the that. earth has been sounds dying. Like a, uh, sounds like a startup. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm giving ideas, no problem. I have yeah. many, many, many someone ideas. Out there, someone out there started cremation, uh, cremation capsule you plant you plant a tree inside of a uh, capsule with your ashes and then you go 
Well, they are, they already have them. See, I don't think that they're legal in the United States, but they have them, I believe, in Italy. It, um, the the company that I found that sells them, um, in yeah, I really encourage this to take over and be the the new way of of any anybody that meets death to be to be given back to the earth because no matter what. Um, we all give to the earth. If it's our thoughts or imagine people that have not given to the earth in a positive way, but at least their body can give back to the earth. So that energy should, and, and we've been taking care of our physical bodies. There's been a huge trend in, in health and so the way that we've taken care of our physical bodies, we, we should be able to give energy back to the earth and doing it this way. I see the, the shape of the earth as a, as a torus, T-O-R-U-S, if you're familiar with that. And so basically it's just a regeneration. And when I say the shape of a torus, we don't know exactly all of the details with it. So I I sit in rooms of flat earth sometimes, um, round earth, flat earth, inner earth. There, but when you when you see this concept of the torus and just regenerating, it's it could be the metaphysical um, energy of the earth going in and coming out. It's just like we're getting our nutrients from the earth as well, but they said that the earth has depleted nutrients. So if our bodies can give back nutrients in the earth in order for us to get our nutrients from the it best again. Way, the best way to do that is um, through animal agriculture, right? Like the ways, this goes back to Genesis, um, and the, the herding of animals versus the tilling of land. It's clearly written that one is one is considered evil and one is considered the way of God and one God pleased and blesses and one is, one he is displeased and you know it's just kind of this fascinating concept of um, the idea of agriculture itself being kind yeah. of um, a curse on the on on, on humanity. Yes, and it's showing us again that we as humans, humans are a form of animal, are we not? Yeah, yeah. So this herding that's happening, whether we herd animals or the spiritual or metaphysical herding that is happening right now, and I'm just referencing what I heard from somebody the other day, that's how they described it, they're being herded. And so... And I understand this too because I have many people coming to me right now asking if they can be my servant. Interesting. Yeah, this desire to be herded into a group or a pen or whatever you want to call it. Or, or looking for a master, one master to rule over you because when we have one master, it's very freeing. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's cool to see where we're going as uh, as a society. I think things are not going to be easy, but I think that they they will be they will they'll be worth it definitely for sure. Um, it's yes, exciting definitely. to see that how things are going to tra transition. There's all these different kind of avenues of 
they're pushing everything forward, right? Like you're out there with a legal document trying to push the awareness that way, right? Would change the consciousness, right? Change, change the, the perception. And then there's, you know, everything else. There's people into, you know, pushing the permaculture and the how to raise animals in a holistic method and regenerate the earth, like you said, right? With the, with the, use, of, with the use of these sort of ancient practices that we've sort of forgot about in a way as a species and bringing them back and that kind of reconnection with the land and like like i said a, a resource-based economy but not so much of an economy like you said and more of just like a, a an existence right and uh yeah it's really cool to see how everything's coming together to do that um i think bitcoin kind of forces the powers to be to subscribe to that version of the future as well um based on laws of physics i guess it comes down to like you know, if you drop something, it's going to fall to the earth. And it's all a mathematical equation, isn't it? Similar to the concept of the astronomy with the planets yep. and the revolutions and the stars. Yes. And that yeah, it's is totally math. It's all it is. And that is why the holy books were written. Wow. <clears throat> That's crazy. Crazy to think about. <laughs> <laughs> so like so so back to Daniel too. Do you think like what is the what is the per, what is the percentage of of chance that the the stone being referred to could be Bitcoin? Do you think as a consensus? Like do you think that it could be a possibility or? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. There's a there's a lot of different ways to look at it. So um, because you're saying the stone that turns into the mountain, correct? Yes, and it, how it smites the image, and it kind of takes them all down. Most definitely. I, I think that is a great reference. Um, which, which verse does that specifically say it in? Because I'll read my version. Uh, it's at the end. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Right, hold on one sec. Um, well, verse, let me see. Oh, yeah. I like verse 43, how it says this mixture of iron and clay shows that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage. But they will not hold together just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reigns of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all of these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. That is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountain, though not by human hands, that crushed to pieces the statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold. The great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true, and its meaning is certain. So the, the kingdom of heaven can never be destroyed or conquered. It crushes all of these kingdoms into nothingness. Do you see that? <clears throat> Isaiah, I want to show you where it speaks of Lucifer in Isaiah 14.12. I'm opening that up right now. 
How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. So do you see the connection there between... During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all of these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. So that, again, is in reference to Lucifer or Venus or the Venus energy or Jesus' return. Which verse is that, sorry, in Isaiah? Um, Isaiah fourteen twelve. Isaiah fourteen twelve, interesting. Yeah, Isaiah is a as a is a Bitcoin thing as well, um, with the remnant, the concept of the remnant, um, and like the, I don't know if you're familiar with the article Isaiah's job from like nineteen thirty four, um, just the concept of not preaching to the masses and just just speaking the most honest, brutal truth, so that those who are the remnant will hear your truth, and and then it will. And that's who needs to hear it. And then it's like the idea of like evolution and the concept. It's like the it's the fringes that actually push things forward, not the majority, right? The eighty twenty rule. And that's why we're having our conversation today. Isaiah four twelve. You said. Um. No. Fourteen twelve. Oh, fourteen twelve. I just think it's interesting to see the different uh, translations and the different uh, ways of saying these texts. 1412. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? Interesting. Son of the morning, yeah, Venus right there. It literally says that, O Lucifer, son of the morning. It's funny, isn't it? We we have yeah. to just laugh now when we see the when we see what they really mean. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm having a Bible study written by the pastor um, that I talked about before, the one that lives in Pakistan. Um, on the title is going to be something like, I believe it's going to be "Call Me Lucifer." And the reason is because finding, yes, finding the interconnectivity of everything, um, we all are, Lucifer, we all come at this time to destroy, to weaken, to weaken the nations, to destroy the governments, and to bring unification. That's the concept of, like, the rebel, right? Yeah. As well. The uh, version here, uh, 34, it says that um, <clears throat> thou sawest till that a, a stone was cut without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were made of iron and clay and break them to pieces. And then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. That's the day of day of two thirty four, or thirty yeah thirty four to thirty five. Says says that, <clears throat> um, and then there's also the. Uh, are you familiar with in James? I think it's five or James four or something. It's talking about the kings of the earth, um, have robbed, 
they've robbed the labors of their fruits of their labor through inflation, <laughs> essentially. Literally says that, and it says that they'll weep and they're they'll mourn or something. I'm trying to find that as well. Did I lose you? I'm here. I wanted to bring in. Um, I'm opening up my Bible to Colossians one because this is one of the first ones that I was shown um, when I started on my spiritual path. Um, I got shown between four and five years ago how the, so before the pandemic, um, how the worlds were separating from each other. And this is the best reference here. Uh, Colossians 1. Starting in verse 15. Okay. Colossians is a really short book. So um, it's actually in verse, well, yeah, I'll just start in verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So seeing the the unseen rulers or the rulers in the unseen world, see this is the transition with the how we're being herded and following the direction. We don't even know who we're being herded to, most of us, but this hive mentality, whether we are a queen bee. With worker bees, we're all kings and queens of the earth. So, um, being led and following the direction of who we're being herded to and understanding and playing our role, taking our role. Um, I wrote it in a, in a poem. I've been writing the, the poetry. And um, the way that I wrote this in the poem is just as instruments in an orchestra take their role as alpha or beta. So understanding no matter which part we play, how we're playing our role, and 
We are the best one to play our role. There's nobody else that can play it for us. And so I have the domain name, greatorchestra.com. And you know how Freemasons call God the great architect? Well, that would be one builder. And so I, I don't like to refer to it as the great architect. I like to refer to it as the great orchestra because we are all parts and pieces of what makes up God. Yeah, yeah. That's like, um, <clears throat> some people call that pantheism, I think, right? Oh, yes, pantheism. See, I'm a believer of omnism and pantheism, um, which is the interconnectivity of everything. Yeah, I do believe that as well, 100%. Um, real quick, the James 5. Uh, so James 5, verse 1 through verse 5. James 5, 1 to 5, I guess. The whole thing, really, 1 to 6. Um, but basically it just says that uh, the rich men weep and howl, their miseries are, are corrupted, <clears throat> their miseries are come upon them, the riches are corrupted, and their garments are moth-eaten, their gold and silver is cankered, um, and, the, and, the, and rusted, and, the, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped or entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. Which is interesting how it's like, basically says like inflation. It's like talks about inflation, not to me. Which verses did you read? Uh, verses, uh, James chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. I didn't read the last two. I read it to 4. Okay, I want to I wanna read it from my version too for understanding. Yeah, go ahead. Um, it's, it okay. says, warning, warning to the rich. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all of the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and your silver are corroded. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. Mm -hmm. this, this corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of well, judgment. Translation. That sounds amazing. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of Heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who did not resist you. Yeah, that's it. That, yeah, basically, but the, specifically the part of the part that's missing in that translation is right here. It says the Lord of the Sabbath specifically refers to that, which is interesting to me. It's like almost like you know. Ah, I understand that. And so that this is in verse 4 you're saying, and mine says the Lord of Heaven's armies. And from my understanding, when we reach heaven, it is the Sabbath forever. Wow. Do you understand that? It's a place of peace where we don't have to toil anymore on the earth. Exactly. Exactly. So the Sabbath yeah. is is the same it's synonymous with heaven from how i understand it as well and here also saying the higher is kept back by fraud right 
which is what inflation is. It's it's fraud. You're like def, def, devaluing time. Someone's time and energy is devalued. If you worked, you know, say actually your grandfather worked, you know, and he made $20 to come out for long that took. It's considerable amount, probably that. And he works for $20 and he kept that $20 and he saved it and he like, it made its way to you. It's worth like nothing now. And if it was kept in a bank, it's completely absorbed by the system. It's negative hundreds of dollars at this point. And like, that's just like a true, it's literally, it's robbing time. It's stealing time. That's what the fiat system does. That's amazing. Do you want to talk about what heaven's going to be like a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, you know the author C.S. Lewis? I, I do. I haven't read any C.S. Lewis. I've heard a lot of C.S. Lewis, a lot about C.S. Lewis lately, so it's probably something I should add to my reading list, but my reading list is already very full. So. <laughs> well, it's, it, you know what? It's easier than reading, actually. Um, Narnia. Narnia is in a movie. Okay. Is that Narnia C.S. Lewis? It is. Okay, wow. Yeah. Narnia is, um, is there's, there's one evil queen that rules the land and um, turns it into a very cold place, right? But when, um, see, there's, there's hybrids. There's human hybrids in here, which is very similar to um, the, the hieroglyphs, the drawings, I should say, from ancient Egypt. With the hybrids, the hybrid humans, and so this is um, this is what we're walking into too. So it's time to expand minds, retrain our brains. What's normal for our society is not normal for where we're going, um, and this is why people of the earth are having um, why there's a mass psychosis. So you understand the definition of psychosis. Well, there's definitely a psychosis happening. It's it's easier to fool people than it is to convince them they've been they've been fooled. And the fool hath said in his heart, "There is no God." And the yes, ex- exactly. And the the definition of psychosis is one trying to distinguish what's real and what's not real. It's been it's become a reality of a reality argument now. If you talk to most people that are subscribed to the narrative, you're now having a conversation and an argument about base reality. That's right. So this new place that we're entering is not like what we've been used to, what we've been told. So um, allowing ourselves to have open minds as we move forward is really important. Um, I'm working on healing people with extreme traumas, and I am looking to, while money is still a thing on this earth, because I realize it won't be forever, um, but while it is, so that I can get started on my project, I'm looking to raise $500 million. There's an abandoned village right now that um, was abandoned during the construction project that's waiting for me and so that I can get it ready so that I can heal people because we're going to all of us play our part right and this is just my part 
um, to help heal the world populations that have been the most manipulated. That's pretty cool. I recommend uh, receiving receiving Bitcoin. <laughs> it would probably be a good thing and store that wealth in Bitcoin so that it maintains its value and in fact goes goes up and increases its value, right? Yes. I have I have others that are um, collecting the money for me right now. Sounds sounds good. Um, yeah. Have you um, have you explored the Bitcoin rabbit hole at all? Have you gone down it, or have you earned the most information from me today so far? Um, I think probably uh, the most relative information from you today. Um, I do have others that have shown me a lot about Bitcoin, but I do see that it is temporary. So I, it's not part of my path to focus so much of my energy onto something that's so temporary since I'm already in heaven. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, if you have, while well, your temporal body has any need for monetary, or anything monetary, I encourage you to uh, investigate its utility for that because it will only um, further your, your monetary reach. I would, if it was up to me, I would rather have all of the government systems fall right now or a year ago or two years ago <laughs> um, because they're, they're not working, they're not serving the people, and I want to serve the people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what I mean. Yeah, Bitcoin definitely furthers that. If everyone tomorrow used Bitcoin, there'd be no more governments. There would be no more what? If everyone tomorrow, like if every single like gives a magic event and every single person just started using the Bitcoin standard, they transferred all their wealth into Bitcoin and everyone just used Bitcoin as the Bitcoin standard, there would be literally no purpose for a third party governance system. Everything would like kind of evolve from there. Once we had a, a base set of values, everyone would just kind of conglomerate and collect in whatever position served them best. It, um, I wonder Basically, if this is why Jesus' teachings. Of society. Right. I wonder if this is why Jesus' teachings were go and sell everything you have, and this is the way to heaven. Yeah, that's, uh, that's another Bitcoin meme. <laughs> go sell all you have <laughs> and buy Bitcoin. It's just like a, a theme. And, <sighs> and this is the way that we like starve out the fiat system is by just not using them at all just boycott them and this is the way to it right this is why it's such like like maybe a temporary and like you're saying thousand year time frame but i i'm just saying that nothing will be more of a catalyst to tearing down the structures that be as quickly or as efficiently as bitcoin will well then i encourage everyone to buy bitcoin <laughs> i love it <laughs> <laughs> Because however, I, like I said, we have the control of time. So as soon as this happens, we can move into this utopian state. And um, This is control of time, exactly. Bitcoin is a time chain. Exactly that. Perfect. And this is when then the new epic of time begins. Because the kingdoms are destroyed. Yes, I love it.
I love it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) What an awesome conversation today. It was amazing. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, you're welcome.